Welcome to Book Talk with Kara Putman. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Kara Putman, the award-winning, best-selling author of more than 30 novels. I write romantic legal suspense and World War II romance, but I read voraciously. Each week, I'll introduce you to one of my favorite author friends as we talk books, writing, and life. Be sure to check back frequently for new episodes. It's that time of year when the leaves and temperatures are falling and the book pile is calling. Time to cozy up by the fire with a great book or series. And the award-winning Deep Haven series presented by author Susan May Warren is the perfect escape. Readers have loved Susan's popular Deep Haven series, a town in beautiful Minnesota where everyone escapes for a second chance and a fresh start. This past year, she's partnered with three incredibly talented authors to create a new take on this beloved series. Deep Haven is getting a crisis response team because even Deep Haven has its share of trouble and the new season shares the stories of six couples who find love, as well as disaster, drama, heartbreak, and adventure in this exciting new series that has hit many bestseller lists. Most of all, they learn that in Deep Haven, there is no problem so deep that God's love isn't deeper. This fall, cozy up to the Deep Haven series. Go to www.sunrisepublishing.com for more information. And when you buy an audio or ebook from the website store, use BookTalk21 for 20% off all products through December. All right. Hello, everyone. It is Tuesday night, and tonight I am excited to introduce you to my friend Terry Ferris. Now, Terry writes contemporary romance for Ravel, and she has been writing for about 12 years before she got her first contract and writes from Arizona but her books are set in Michigan. So I think you're gonna really enjoy getting to meet her tonight because she writes really wonderful contemporary romance that is just sweet and full of these great characters and setting. And so Terry, would you like to take a moment to introduce yourself? Uh, yes, uh, like you said, I'm named Terry Ferris and um, I live, I grew up in Michigan and I vacation every summer in Michigan. So people always ask me why I set my, if I live in Arizona, why do you set your books in Michigan? Part of it's because I miss Michigan and I really wish I could move back there. So uh, I did, I kind of escape into my fiction. And, um, and so, yeah, I get, uh, I will escape every summer. I mean, I might, I get escape every summer in real life, but I also escape my books. And, um, I also, so I have been living in Arizona though for 17 years. I have three kids that keep me busy, um, teenagers now. And um, I've been married for 
uh, almost 19 years. And so what questions do you have for me, Cara? Yeah. Cara, I'm sorry. Yeah. How do you find time to write? Because when you've got teenagers at home, that is actually, I think, a busier time than when you have lots of little kids. So how do you balance writing, family, kids, and just life? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's kind of funny because I used to homeschool. My kids were little. And then I shifted for them to school. People would say, oh, you probably have so much more time writing now. And I was like, I actually got more writing done when they were homeschooling because I would have like such, I would always be so careful with my schedule and be like, this time I have to write because I had to, you know, like I was very, but once they went to school, it was so easy to be like, well, I'll do a sit down little work. Oh, I'll sit down and do this. Oh, I'll check Facebook. I'll do this. And then you're like, oh, it's time to pick up the kids. I didn't get anything done. Um, so I actually, and then again, as our teenagers, we, there's the evenings are just shot half the time because you're running them here and there. And then one of them wants to sit down and have a conversation with you. And you never want to pass that up because they, exactly. you know, like, and so they're like, Hey mom, I'll play a game. Then you're like, yes, because you're never going to, you know, you're going to move out of the house in a year. Um, so yeah, I have to be more very uh, specific about during my daytime. I try to schedule time in the morning and I actually write in my closet. I know that sounds always sounds funny to people. Um, Cause I have this, desk set up now and I love this but I also work um for my book therapy and if I sit down at my desk I I do I get so distracted with work and messages and emails from you know readers and all these things so I take my laptop and then like my, my I, we have a chair that we moved into our closet during COVID when my husband and I were sharing a same space for office just to have some quiet space but in there all I have is my laptop and uh, I no sticky notes, no, no, you know, I, I don't pull up email, I don't pull up anything and I just write so that I, it keeps me from uh, getting distracted by the busyness of the day. I, a lot of times we'll say, okay, I'm going to spend this many hours in here before I can move on to something else. Otherwise I just won't get anything done. That's so funny. And it's, it's kind of neat to hear how you've had to create a space where you're like, okay, my brain knows that this is where I'm going to write. This is the space where writing occurs and nothing else can. And for me, there were seasons where that actually was going to Panera or, you know, sometimes I just had to get that little oomph to get going again. And it would be like, okay, I just have to change my location. So, and I totally relate to teenagers and when they want to talk. And usually like my prime writing time has usually been that 8 30, 9 o'clock at night to midnight. And once you have teenagers, that's when they want to talk. They mm -hmm. kind of come alive at 11 o'clock after, you know, grunting or answering yes and no. And then all of a sudden they're like, hey mom, now let's talk. And I had to kind of train myself to go, okay, I need to capture this time because it's not going to be very long and they're going to have moved out. And so kind of being able to embrace those seasons and be like this is okay this is good can actually be kind of challenging so as you were kind of moving into writing for publication how did you signal to your family that okay this is actually a job now mom's getting paid for this and she needs her space to be able to create these stories and meet deadlines um i think i mean they were older by that point so i think they gotten used to me writing instead of setting aside time over the years. And so I just got to where I would say I'm on work time right now. And actually, like I said, I work for my book therapy, but it's just 10 hours a week. And I, I would often say to my husband, um, I have, or my kids, I have to do that. I have to work tonight. And I realized though, 
husband was like, I thought you only worked 10 hours a week. And I realized I wasn't in my mind, his mind designating between writing work. And I'm like, okay, I am, but this is for different. Sometimes it's that, sometimes it's this, but if it's work, work, you know I mean? It's not just playing because sometimes I know my kids will see me and like one time I'll be like, you're on your phone, mom, you're just playing. And I'm like, I'm responding to emails, but you know, like when I send out a newsletter, I like to always try to respond to my, you know, to the, anybody who emails me. So then I'm trying to respond back to, you know, I'm like, it is, but it's work, honey. I'm not, yeah. I'm, not I'm not playing candy crush. Okay. I'm trying yeah. to respond, engage and um, things like that too. So it's, it's just trying to communicate that is, yeah. So tell us about this book just arrived in my uh, mailbox today. It's Yay. coming out on September 7th. And yes, I got to tell you, I've already started reading it and really already enjoying it. I can tell there's going to be lots of this great conflict and it's a charming town in Michigan. So how did you come up with the idea for this series of books? Um, I just, when I first went to actually I write a retreat with Susan May Warren, um, she was telling us when you first start writing, you know, you start with what you know. So start to make a list of everything you know. So I was like, well, I know Michigan. I know small towns. because That's what I grew up on. I grew up in a small town in Michigan. Um, and I was like, and I know, um, I, I go up to where, this is, doesn't occur in Ludington, but it happens just south of Ludington. And I do go there every year for the 4th of July. And so I just started making a list. Um, and so I kind of took that with also um for example, if I could redesign my small town that I grew up in, um, I remember having this conversation with my sisters and we were always saying, you know, one thing that our town, we really wish had a kind of that center of town because um, we kind of do, but it was, there's a college there. So you're not gonna go hang out at the college if you're a community person. And so, um, so anyway, we were discussing that. So I kind of started developing this ideal town, kind of the influence of Gilmore Girls, probably has a little influence of Heart of Dixie in there, has a little influence of, you know, just my small town growing up, that idea of, um, and so I, I wrote the very first book, what was uh, just Hannah and Luke's story. Now all the main novels also have a subplot that runs through them. Um, but the first time I wrote Hannah and Luke's story, which is You Belong With Me, um, it was just Hannah and Luke's story. And uh, Hannah was very different. Her goals were all different, but uh, I just fell in love with the town. Mm -hmm. And the more, of course, I, the first time I wrote the, that, I just, it just started to come alive. You know, I started seeing the, the old, the old houses and the old, and all the people and kept having, oh, I want to do this. Oh, I've got, you know, people would just drop into the story and then I'd be like, oh, I got to make them a character. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's an interesting character. I can't wait to tell their story. Um, even the subplot of, um, since you've been gone is a character that we meet in the first book. Her name's Madison and nobody likes her in the first book. And in fact, several of my, avid readers were like, I can't believe you are going to bring Madison back as a, a subplot. I hate her. I'm like, I know. And they're like, yeah, yeah, she's going to be so much fun to write because everybody hates her. Right. And so and if you look up saying, you're not going to, you can't really like her. And I was like, okay. I'm like, that's, I said, I just have to tell her story. And all those people have been like, oh my word, I love her. Like, I think she might be my favorite person in that book. And I, and I, I do. There's something about when I started running her in the first story, I just felt like there's so much more to her. And I just love being able to bring her back. And, and I like the fact that it deals with a lot of that small town conflict. Um, 
where I grew up in a small town. And so you do know everybody's business. You do know, you know, I was, I was home visiting and uh, again, my small town. And I ran into a, a friend who's moved to town. So she didn't grow up in this town. She lives there now. And I grew up there. We had met out anyway. And anyway, she was like, I just found out that you dated so-and-so, you know, in high school. And I was like, yeah. And she's I'm like, it's just so funny to me because that's very small town. Like yeah. people just don't forget anything in a small town where, you know, I, now that I'm in the city, nobody knows anybody's business or, you know, and that's one thing, uh, this one specifically, since you've been gone, is really just dealing with, uh, past perceptions past. Cover. And it's such a pretty cover. It is. I, I do. I, I, I adore them. And so, um, dealing with past perceptions and, you know, people, and I feel like that's such an aspect of a small town. So that I grew up with, that I always dealt with. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it is true. And when you're in a small town and you've lived there your whole life and your families live there, everybody knows everybody. It's funny listening to my grandma and my aunt, and my mom talk, cause they'll go through like everybody who's lived in the town in Nebraska where my mom grew up. They'll talk about everybody going back like four generations. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't have that experience. Cause we just moved every like three mm -hmm. or four years. And now I wonder if my kids are going to feel that way about where we've lived here in Indiana. So how did you get started writing? Your biography says that you're actually dyslexic. And so I think most people would think if you struggle with reading, the last thing you would want to do is write. So how did that dream come to life for you? Yeah, it's, I always say that um, God was very sneaky. If he had showed me the, the plan up front, I probably would have gone the other direction. Um, when I graduated from high school, I had read a handful of books. I, I really got, I mastered the ability to uh, do the work without actually reading the material. And I actually, and I got decent grades, so no, nobody ever caught on. And I actually, it wasn't just that. It was, I also grew up in a generation that if you get good grades, especially like they'd always just say, well, you're not that great at reading and you're terrible at spelling, but you're good at math and science, so it doesn't matter. Like you have something you can focus on in life. So don't worry about it. You get, you get good grades and, and you're good at math and science. That's just your thing. You're just not good at reading. And I, I was just kind of took that on like, okay, that's just part of who I am. Um, well, I wasn't actually, well, well, first how I ended up starting to get in, into reading was my, when I was uh, pregnant with my oldest child, I was put on bed rest for part of the pregnancy. And this was before you could take your internet to bed with you. This was back when we had dial-up was a big thing. So there's no way, you know, like if you sit, have to lay in bed, there's nothing to do. And so um, I went to my husband, got me a bunch of books from the library. And the biggest thing was for me with reading, it was it always made me super tired. Like the words would start to move around after a while on the page and I would just get super tired. I remember the first time I read a trade length novel, I think it was about college. It took me about a month to get through it. Just a regular book that's about, you know, that length because I kept, I would fall asleep. I would read, you know, a few pages and they would just make me super tired and I'd fall asleep. Um, and so, but when you're on bed rest, it doesn't really matter if you fall asleep, right? It's just yeah. something to do. And then, hey, I fell asleep, who cares? And then you wake up and you read a little more. And so um, it actually strengthened my eyes without me realizing it. Um, and so then really by the end, 
I had really fallen. And then even after I was no longer on bed rest, I was a stay at home mom. And I had been, I'd always been, I've been in education because I'd gone to um, graduate school. So for four years of uh, seminary graduate school. So also I went from going and having jobs and studying, studying, studying for years to stay at home mom in a strange city. So there was like, yeah. what do I do with my time? Yeah. My husband's That's gone. Yeah. You know? And so I just had this baby and, and we only had one car because we were poor. We couldn't afford another car. So I couldn't really go anywhere when he was gone all day. And so, um, and I was just probably lonely. So I was just kept reading, you know, like I, it will entertain me. I'll just keep reading. And yeah. I, my husband was always laughing because I was like, it's amazing. It's like a movie in every book and the library is full of them. And he's like, yes, welcome to being a reader, honey. <laughs> yes, we all welcome you. And I'm like, yeah. oh, this is what the big deal is. This and is why everybody talks about how wonderful books are. And there's that's so right. many, there's so many to choose from. And so, um, then one night I had read everything in the house and I think my baby, one, I think again, the same baby, Zachary, my oldest, he was, a, he was crawling and he just wasn't in the mood to sleep. There wasn't anything on TV because you couldn't um, just watch whatever you wanted because it wasn't live streaming, you know, like it was either on or it wasn't. Um, and I could not get I couldn't download a book. I always say if it was, I was in the modern age, I would have never become a writer because all these things nowadays, I'm like, I would have just watched binge. I would have just binge flipped, binge watched the show, or I would have downloaded yeah. another book from the library on my Kindle, you know, but I couldn't. And so I sat down to start writing a story that I had in my mind because the reality is I had been making up stories for years in my mind because I always loved living in my mind, but I didn't ever think to um, write those down. And so I started writing it down. And of course the first one was terrible. I had no idea what I was doing. And I wrote myself into a corner. Um, but I kind of was like, so fun to me to watch my characters come alive in my mind. Like they were making decisions that I hadn't planned on them making. And that was just such a foreign concept to me that I felt like I was just watching it play out in my mind and writing down what I was seeing versus making it up. And, um, and so then I grabbed that book because I, I wrote myself into a corner and then I started writing a second book and that one I finished and thought now I've written a novel I can get this published and so then and I went how it works I you know, know. It's, it's much more complicated than that for most people so how did you stick with it because it's a process and often people start a book they'll think they may finish it and be like okay now all I have to do is get it published and then they realize there's a lot more to this and it can be very disheartening and people stop there. So what kind of kept you going to push through? Was it finding Susan May Warren's teaching? Was it ECFW? I mean, what was it that kind of was that impetus to stick with it? Uh, yeah, I submitted to an edit, uh, agent actually, because I read that I needed an agent. So I actually submitted to Steve Lobby simply because he was here in the Phoenix area. And I thought, I don't know, maybe you should be near your agent. I didn't, I didn't know anything. So I said, okay, well, he actually was kind enough to give me a very kind response saying you have a good voice. I, but you need to learn how to write. Basically. He just said it a lot nicer than that, but, um, you just basically need to know what you're doing. So he recommended, he said, I recommend you check out ACFW and Susan May Warren. And so it was my book therapy. So I, looked at ACFW and Susie was teaching that year at ACFW. I was like, boom, I can get both of them in one stop and then I'll be ready, you know? And I remember I was sitting down to my very first class. It wasn't actually one of Susie's classes. 
just a very basic writing structure class. And I was like staring at him. And the person sitting next to me was like, what's wrong? You have a very funny look on your face. And I was like, I don't think I know how to write a book. <laughs> I think I just wrote that one all wrong. Cause I don't think I have most of those things. And so then um, I did have a chance. What? I was gonna say, what's interesting is when I started writing officially, it kind of came easy, but it's because I'd been reading voraciously. So I just kind of, I had that voice and that structure I'd absorbed. So I could tell, oh, I'm writing myself into a corner. I've got to do something or, oh, this isn't going to work as a reader. I wouldn't like it, but you didn't necessarily have that, you know, that backlog of reading thousands of books to go, this works, that doesn't work. So that would be kind of disorienting to sit in a class like that and be like, Oh, because I can still remember going to my first chapter meeting with ACFW and they're talking about POV. And I'm like, PO what? I, I don't have any clue what you're talking about. Yes, yes. I had, I also realized my first book, they had a lot of internal goals, but there was no strong external goal. You know, like they were just living their life and things would happen that would prevent their internal goals, but there was no, I mean, things would get in their way. And there was conflict and there was a lot of relational conflict, but there was nothing like, well, how do you know when they reach their goal? Because what are they doing? They're just living yeah. their life. We're just watching them live their life. And that was the things I realized I didn't have. Like, oh, I need an actual like quest that they're on, a journey. Like, what are they trying to accomplish? And so um, things like that. It was, and then I sat down with Susie and she was like, well, so she recommended, you know, some of her books and then I went to several of her retreats and it just kind of took off from there. And then really once I had an understanding of the big pieces, I mean, there's still, obviously I learned, I'm continually learning, but, um, once I had the big pieces, it was amazing how things just kind of started to fit together for the next, you know, that's when I actually, that's when I started writing you belong with me, which of course I ended up having to rewrite like seven times because I was <laughs> learning still, but, yeah. um, but yeah, so what should funny. people expect when they pick up a Terry Ferris book? How would you describe it? What's what makes your books yours? And you know, kind of where do you fit so that they know, oh, I want to read contemporary romance. Now I'm in the mood for a Terry Ferris book. Um, I would say some people will say my writing's funny. I don't think my writing's funny. I think occasionally my characters are funny because they're just honest, but they're not, again, I don't feel like I'm trying to make them funny. I don't, so I don't feel like it has like comedic things in it. They just, people, people generally are funny. Um, and so um, there are moments uh, like that, but I also try to always not shy away from some of the hard questions um, without, without hopefully my goal is never to feel like I'm addressing hard questions where these are just real people. And that's why I've had several reviews that are always my favorite reviews that they say they just feel like they're watching real people deal with real life and it walks through them with it, you know? And uh, in the first book, You Belong With Me, they really just, you know, they're really wrestling. What's it mean to belong? You know, he's, he, he grew up, he um, aged out of foster care. What does it mean to belong? And where do you find your identity? Well, yeah, that aspect of it, that you're belonging. Where the second one is kind of uh, the telling of the prodigal son story after the, I should say after the prodigal son story, in the sense that the, um, the subplot is Nate, the pastor, who was at one point in his life, the prodigal son, and the older brother is very much the older brother of that story, just dealing with forgiveness. And, um, 
and dealing with a lot of questions both of them have for, I mean, wrestling with those issues of forgiving somebody who just doesn't deserve it. I mean, that's the reality is that we don't deserve forgiveness because if it's not, if somebody ever deserves forgiveness, you're not really forgiving them. You're because nobody deserves forgiveness. That's the whole point. And, um, and so, and then this lot, and then since you've been gone really, uh, deals with, um, really, you know, God, kind of God's calling on your life. What, what is God's plan for your life? And like, how do you wrestle that out? And if you've, what if you've made mistakes or what if you've done this? Can you, you know, like, you know, cause uh, Leah, the main character in the prequel novella, um, PS Goodbye, which actually you can get free um, on my website. If you, if you read eBooks, it's free on my website. You can just download that. Um, and, but she actually leaves in the end of that book, makes some decisions, but she regrets some of those decisions by this book. So she comes back and it's this whole idea of wrestling out some of these, um, did I make a mistake? Did I make, you know, like if I could go back and do it differently, I might. So does that mean I made a mistake? Was I not listening to God? Am I not listening to God now? What is, and cause I think we deal with a lot of these and these are all things that I think I've dealt with. And I think that's why I kind of wrestled them out in my characters because um, they're not easy questions to answer. And I hopefully just don't pick an easy answer for them. They just, something they just have to work through. So yeah. hopefully I would say my books are fun, contemporary, um, but also deal with real issues. So kind of that, not as heavy as women's fiction, but right. still have more than just a sweet romance where everything's going along and somehow you have to wonder how the hero and heroine are going to get together. And it, I can say that from the first chapter of this one, you've definitely set up some interesting backstory between the characters and just, I can tell there's so much that's going to be going on. Um, and so this book releases on September 7th. Yes. So the, there's still a pre-order special going right now. Uh, but at the same time, if you haven't tried Terry's writing yet, then definitely pop over to her website and um, download the novella so you can try it. And I always love doing that uh, because it's a great way just to, to get a sense for the author and their voice and if it's something that you're going to enjoy. So our time's up. Thank you oh so my, much for goodness, already. Yeah, I, I tell you, it always is so much fun and goes so quickly. Yes. But thank you so much for joining us tonight, Terry. Thank I, you so much really for having me. It's been a joy to talk to you. If you enjoyed this conversation, remember you can join us live on my Facebook page on Tuesday evenings at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the next conversation. I'd also be grateful if you'd leave a review on your favorite platform. I love to hear from you, so be sure to leave a comment on this episode's show page at caraputman.com, and you can also interact with me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And don't forget, when you join my e-newsletter, I send you a copy of Dying for Love, the novella that launches the Hidden Justice series, as my gift to you. Thanks again for tuning in. 